to welcome back to Alger Assembly of God. We do welcome you to the final installment of our Joshua series. And uh, this has been a series we have been in for a number of weeks. It's actually been a number of months, and it's taken us a while. We have gone verse by verse through this entire book, and uh, there's been a a handful of chapters. We've kind of summarized some of the, the long chapters in the middle, but we've spent a lot of time seeing what God would have as God used Joshua to take over for the leader, Moses. And God had great things in store for the Israelites. And we saw some incredible and mighty miracles. Right off the bat, we saw that God brought them across the flooded Jordan River. God enabled them to conquer and overcome the walled city of Jericho. They conquered many other kings and lands. God provided, God distributed the promised land to them. God gave instructions to them. And so we've seen God do some incredible things. Now, many weeks, many months ago, as we began our study, we saw that this book began, unfortunately, with a death. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 says, After the death of Moses. So we jumped into the book of Joshua, seeing that Moses, the previous leader, had passed away. God had new leadership in store. Unfortunately, just as the book has begun, uh, that's about how this book is going to conclude. As we look at the last five verses of chapter 24, we see that the book will also end in death. We see and we will uh, be privy to the death of Joshua, as that is mentioned, the death of Eleazar the priest, and in a few moments we'll be seeing about the bones of Joseph. Remember, Joseph back from Genesis, he's making an appearance, his bones are making an appearance here in a little bit. And so as we finish this book Uh, The the last couple of chapters, chapter 23 and then the rest of chapter 24, we spent a couple weeks looking at Joshua's famous last words, some of the last recorded words of his challenges to the Israelites. And as we're about to see in these last several verses, Joshua has passed away. His life is is now kind of uh, there for an opportunity to look at, discover, and discern what that legacy will be. So this morning, uh, we're entitling it A Challenging Epitaph. Epitaph is uh, that short statement to honor someone who has passed away. Sometimes epitaphs are printed or engraved upon tombstones or or tomb markers, and that's many times what we think about as an epitaph, kind of that, that last phrase, that last thought, some of the last sentences. And so many times what are engraved upon tombstones are some of the lasting memories or legacies of an individual. For instance, and we've got a a couple of slides here to show, uh, the famous talk show host from yesteryear, Merv Griffin. This is his actual tombstone, and we'll have a close-up here on the next slide. It says, I will not be right back after this message. It's an individual that was a part of that, some of the things that he said, and yet when it came time and he passed, that's what was placed on the tombstone, sort of that that lasting legacy of him. Here's another one, Mel Blanc. Uh, He was the one who voiced Bugs Bunny, uh, Daffy Duck, 
the stuttering porky pig. And uh, as you see on his, it says, man of 1,000 voices, beloved husband and father. But it says, that's all, folks. That's the, the porky pig phrase at the end of those cartoons. So there's individuals, there's some other individuals, some that uh, you might not have known or heard about. There was a young man whose name was Michael Luther. He was addicted to video games, arcade games. When he passed away about 10 years ago in 2007, his sister designed his headstone to read Game Over. So when it comes to our lives passing, when it comes to, in Joshua 24, his life passing, we see that he's got a legacy to leave, and we've got kind of this book of Joshua to sum up. We've got a handful of verses here at the end of chapter 24 to oversee and know that uh, there's a number of things God would have for us to hear and to learn and to follow as a challenging epitaph from Joshua. So turn with me in your Bibles, turn with me in the Word of God to Joshua chapter, 29, uh, chapter 24, beginning in verse 29. So it starts with these three words, after these things. So just as a reminder, after what things? So earlier in the chapter, uh, the, the text before we get to this, we saw that Joshua was giving some of his final words, his final statements, his final challenges to the people. And he was saying, choose you this day whom you're going to serve. And he said, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. And then the Israelites committed, they responded, and they renewed the covenant. They renewed their commitment to the Lord. So Joshua gave them the reminder. He gave them some of the warnings. They made the decision, and it was marked with this special stone under a particular tree. That was the visual reminder of their commitment and their renewal to the Lord. So after all of those things had taken place, verse 29 says... Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. 110. He had a, certainly a long life there. But it's a reminder for us that death is certainly inevitable unless the Lord would return first. So he died at the age of 110. <clears throat> he actually was the same age as Joseph. Now, Joseph's going to be mentioned a little bit later. Just a, a quick rewind, Genesis chapter 50, verse 26, it said, Joseph died at the age of 110, and after they embalmed him, he was placed in a coffin in Egypt. So Joshua died at 110, Joseph died here at 110, and verse 30 says, they buried him, meaning Joshua, in the land of his inheritance at Timnath-Serah in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. So in the balance of our time, I want to explore what, what are just a handful of things we can learn from this challenging epitaph, this challenging legacy from Joshua. First challenge for us is this. As we take a look at Joshua and his legacy and some of the final things, we see that we must seek God's approval. Seek God's approval. Verse 29, one more time, it says, After these things, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, 
died at the age of 110. Joshua here is titled what? The servant of the Lord. Now, Moses was the first one in Scripture to have received this title. Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 5, reads like this. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord had said. And then repeated right at the beginning of Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, as we read. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord... The Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid. So Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, it gives us this, this continuity of Moses, the servant of the Lord who had passed, and now Joshua who was his aid. Joshua was the helper. You've heard of teacher's aides, right? They're not the teacher, but they help the teacher. They assist the teacher. They do certain things for the teacher. So Joshua was the aide, the assistant, the helper to Moses. And in Joshua chapter 1, those early verses, God is speaking to Joshua to be the leader of his people, the Israelites. And the reminder, that's where God says to be strong and courageous Be strong and very courageous, for the Lord your God will go before you. So Moses was given that title, given that term. Our first introduction to Joshua, we see him as simply the the helper, the assistant, the aide. But as we've worked through all these weeks and all these months and working our way through Joshua, we see how God had raised him up as the leader of the Israelites. God had done mighty and miraculous things through him, but now Joshua at the age of 110 had passed. See, when it comes to you and I, we've got to have some of that same mentality to be the servant of the Lord. To be a servant of the Lord, we've got to tune in and listen to His voice to know what it is that God wants in us and through us. Many times throughout our study here in the book of Joshua, we've seen how the Lord spoke to Joshua. The Lord said to Joshua, time after time, He is listening for and and paying attention to, not just hearing, but listening and following after the words of God. If we're wanting to be this servant of the Lord to seek God's approval, we've got to listen for and connect with what God wants to speak to us. And then do what Joshua was doing, which was be obedient and follow him. See, sometimes there's a struggle in our hearts and in our lives when it comes to approval. Because Don't we, to some degree, don't we enjoy having approval of others? Whether that's family, whether that's friends, whether that's co-workers or or bosses or other people that are around, isn't there just a little bit of a natural inclination to say, I know that, that I want God to approve, but boy, it sure feels good sometimes when other people do. We see that. We've experienced that. Time in my life a number of years ago, not so proud to share it, but I will. Early on in ministry, first place of ministry as a youth and associate pastor. And we had planned this incredible youth night and youth outreach. 
trusting and believing God for a ton of young people to come. Didn't know how many a ton was, but we were just praying for a ton. And we were doing all that we could practically and, and spiritually to prepare for this night. And you know what? God was faithful and blessed and blew away the expectations of that night. That night literally was double or triple the previous high in attendance that we'd ever seen. Can you imagine? Not just the largest attendance ever, but double or triple as we saw young people come from all over the place to hear a message of hope found in Jesus Christ. Wow, it was, it was encouraging as you saw all that God was doing. Then to have a privilege to speak and to share and see some young people give their lives to Jesus or rededicate their lives to Jesus and, and then know that there's a ton of young people to try to connect with and follow up with. Man, it was awesome. God was doing something good. Here's the problem. Not everybody knew about it, right? Smaller church, smaller area, smaller community. Boy, God, thank you for what you've done. But and then, being honest now, there's a little bit that says it'd be great for someone else to hear and say good. Well, within that, I believe it was within that next week or so, I was a part of some of the leadership in youth ministry in Ohio and, and connected with some of the other youth ministers and leadership as so we had a leadership meeting. So within one week after this experience, and we met, and then we went out to eat, and, and as we're hanging out, not one person asked the very simple question, how's youth ministry going? That would have been all I needed to just unleash all that God was doing, right? So I had a plan. Not proud to say it, but I had a plan. As I was sitting next to one of the youth pastors, I began to ask him all the questions I was hoping someone would ask me. So how's youth ministry going? How's the services? What's God doing? And just question after question, and oh, they're just talking after talking, and finally after answering all the questions and sharing about himself after a while, he stopped and paused and he said something like, so, how's youth ministry going for you? <gasps> oh, well, since you asked, right? And I proceeded to share all the incredible things that God was doing. In the midst of the sharing and after the sharing and time after time looking back to the sharing is the conviction to say, what was I really seeking there? God had done some incredible things and was pleased with what was taking place, yet apparently at that time, that wasn't enough. I needed a little extra help or approval or affirmation from others. Now, you can smile and you can, you know, have all of your thoughts. Just know there's probably some of those things being experienced in the pews as well. We've probably had some things like that where as much as we wanted to do something entirely for God, maybe there's just enough that, that wanted something from someone else. And the conviction that comes as we take a look at the end of Joshua, Joshua was an incredible leader. I mean, as we've taken time, we've taken months to dissect all of the things that he had done through God's hand and God's leadership and when we get to the very end, it simply says, Joshua, the servant of the Lord. How incredible is that? 
What was said about Joshua, what was said about him at the end of his life was not how amazing he was. Although we'd have to read and see that, yes, he he was a pretty amazing individual used by God. What was said at the end of Joshua's life was not about the number of people he had led. You know, sometimes in in obituaries, they, they state specifics about people of where they worked or what they did or Nowhere here does it say, Joshua, hint, hint, remember, leader of hundreds of thousands of people who led the Israelites across the Jordan River. doesn't mention all the people he led. doesn't mention all the things that God used him to do. It said very simply, he was a servant of God. Now, this phrase, this sentence is basically repeated almost word for word in Judges chapter 2. It's, it's kind of a, a repeating of that phrase. See, sometimes that fact, simply being the servant, looking to serve and receive God's approval, many times that can be the challenge. But as we get to the end of Joshua's life and we look at this epitaph, we look at what would that legacy be? What would some of his lasting thoughts be? Not his words, because of previous two chapters, we've heard his words to the Israelites. We've heard those challenges. But as we sum up the life of Joshua, I believe, first of all, the challenge is we must seek after God's approval in all that we do. As we live for God in our school, as we live for God in our home, as we live for God in our workplace, in our community, yes, it is great for others to approve and affirm. Those are good things and encouraging. But above all else, who do we want to make sure says, well done, good and faithful servant. We want to make sure that we would hear that from the Lord. We want to make sure, like Joshua, that we could be considered simply a servant. And so right off the bat, this challenge from his legacy would be to seek God's approval. Next, I believe he would encourage us to celebrate God's faithfulness. Look at the very last two verses of Joshua. 32 and 33. It says, And Joseph's bones, which the Israelites had brought up from Egypt, were buried at Shechem in the tract of land that Jacob bought for a hundred pieces of silver from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem. This became the inheritance of Joseph's descendants. And Eleazar, son of Aaron, died and was buried at Gibeah, which had been allotted to his son Phinehas in the hill country of Ephraim. Celebrate God's faithfulness. Joseph, in a sense, he's granted his final wish as they take and bury his bones in the promised land that God had brought them to. His bones had been on a journey. Can you imagine that? Joseph had passed away. Joseph had died literally hundreds of years before. As he had died, buried in Egypt... Those bones had had made it through their many years that had taken place. Scholars would look to that to be potentially 460 plus years. 
Because the Israelites were in Egypt for many years, God then brought them out of Egypt. They then wandered in the wilderness. God brought them into the promised land. The promised land was settled perhaps around 400 plus 40 plus 20, give or take. All I know is that's a long time to be carrying somebody's bones. But they carried Joseph's bones with him, and here's why. Very end of Genesis chapter 50, verse 25 and 26, Joseph made the Israelites swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up from this place. So Joshua, uh, Joseph died at the age of 110, and after they embalmed him, he was placed in a coffin in Egypt. Some of his final words. Then Exodus chapter 13, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He had said, God will surely come to your aid and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. You want to talk about some faith in the promises of God? That's illustration A, B, C, and D. Here's Joseph who's saying, listen, I'm about to pass away. We're here in Egypt, but I just know that I know that I know that God is going to be faithful and God is going to bring us as the Israelites up out of Egypt and God will bring us to this particular place, the promised land that God has. And when he does, I want to make sure that I'm there. So bring my bones with you. You want to talk about trust in the power and in the promises of God. That's exactly what Joseph did. I want to encourage you this morning. Let your faith in God be stirred and give you some perspective. God is faithful and true to keep his promises. We've seen that all the way through the book of Joshua. As God promised, God followed through. Not one of his promises fell to the ground. To Joseph, this, this move from Egypt and eventually into Canaan, this, this was a fact. He simply was waiting on God and waiting on God's timing. He knew that it would take place he knew what God had said, and he was just ready and waiting for the day. When that happens, when God is faithful, when God moves, take my bones with you and bring me to that place. Now, the principle is not about carrying bones with us. The principle is about Carrying and holding on to and remembering and celebrating the faithfulness of God. You and I can look through our lives, and as we look back to the past, we can see many instances of the faithfulness of God. And the faithfulness of God in the past is that encouragement to keep trusting in Him in the future. Joseph passed away before he saw it, but his instructions were to take those bones with he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt what God was going to do because he was trusting in him, trusting in his promises. He knew God would be faithful. Be reminded this morning. Be encouraged this morning. It's one of those main themes in the book of Joshua that God is faithful.
Celebrate that. Celebrate and remember his promises. Celebrate his faithfulness. So as we've looked at these final five verses, we've looked at 29 and 30, we've looked at 32 and 33, but we're going to close with that verse sandwiched in the middle. Verse 31 says, Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had experienced everything the Lord had done for Israel. Final thought from the epitaph of Joshua. Final thought from his legacy is that we must finish well. Joshua finished well. Joshua had served God wholeheartedly. I mean, we saw from the very beginning, he was the helper, he was the aid, he was the assistant, and God had incredible plans for him, and God used him faithfully, faithfully, faithfully all through his life of ministry and leadership and obedience to the Lord. Joshua finished well. Now, a first glance at that, and and we look at that, we say, this is pretty incredible about the impact that Joshua had. Certainly, as we look through this book of Joshua, he made a pretty personal impact. We saw how he connected with people personally, trained and invested in leaders. He went through some challenging situations, but he made personal impact with the people of Israel. It was a very positive impact. It was a permanent impact. You and I, years and years and years later, we're still digging into the book of Joshua to see the impact that he was making for the cause of Christ. The challenge is, remember that time is the treasure. Make use of the amount of time that we have here on this earth to work for the Lord, for His kingdom. Revelation chapter 14, verse 13 says, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord, for their deeds will follow them. In other words, it's kind of like this lasting legacy people that are invested in, encouragements that are given, what God does in and through. We see Joshua faithfully finishing well. So as we take a look at this, and we look in that first sentence, it seems like, wow, this is pretty powerful. Israel served the Lord. But read it a little more closely. Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua. And we say, man, that's great. Israel served the Lord throughout the entire lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had experienced everything the Lord had done for Israel. Did you catch it? They didn't say, and this this verse doesn't say, Israel was unfaithful. They simply said, here's when they were faithful. When Joshua was living, they were faithful. When the elders who served with him and had experienced what God had done, when those elders were living, they were faithful. And that's it. That's purely where that verse ends. They were faithful along with Joshua and the elders who lived with him. Because unfortunately, the very next book of the Bible is Judges. I mentioned that in the first couple of chapters, we see this kind of refreshing and a reminder about Joshua being the servant of the Lord. But check out Judges chapter 2, verses 10 to 13. 
After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals, false gods of neighboring countries. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. They aroused the Lord's anger because they forsook him and served Baal and the Ashtoreths. So the verse we read in Joshua doesn't come right out and say it. You kind of got to read through the lines there. It says they faithfully served as long as Joshua was living and the elders were living. What it meant was, though Joshua finished well and Joshua served the Lord and Joshua was called servant of the Lord and Joshua lived to seek after God's approval and Joshua celebrated the faithfulness of God, unfortunately, the Israelites did not. They did not finish well. They did not continue in the things they were taught, in the things that they had seen. They began to follow after other things, other gods. It became attractive to them. They left what they had seen. They left what they had experienced. They left that history of faithfulness of God, and they moved on to other things that seemed to catch their attention. The challenge for you and I as we talk about finishing well according to Joshua is that we must be a deliberate follower of God. Not an accidental, oops, I think I followed after God again. Let it be intentional. Let it be something that we declare day after day after day. I intentionally and deliberately seek out and follow after God, that I might finish my race well. Paul writes about that. Joshua finished well. The Israelites, not so much. It says they followed God and they served him through the lifetime of Joshua, the elders who outlived him and experienced everything the Lord had done. We've got to have a personal relationship We've got to have a personal experience with God. We can't rely upon somebody else's experience. I hope that some of you or many of you had a a godly mom or dad or grandma or grandpa, and that's awesome. But we can't live on their experience. We can't live off of their relationship with God. It's got to be personal between me and God. Man, I'm, I'm thankful for my heritage. I'm thankful for my family. A mom and dad who not only loved God and had a relationship with God, but were in, in ministry for many, many years together. That's incredible. But I've got to make a choice to serve God myself. And not just live off of what mom and dad saw, what mom and dad had experienced. I want to experience God's power and faithfulness in my own life. I've got to have a personal walk with God, a personal relationship with God that I can stay true to. The Israelites struggled with that. As long as some of these other people who had incredible walks with God were around, 
things were going good. But when those individuals passed on, they did not have that personal relationship for themselves. They did not have that personal experience with God for themselves. And they did not continue in God. Personal experience of God and his power, that's essential to staying faithful and true to him. 1867, Swedish chemist Alfred Nobel invented a new high explosive, which he named dynamite. He was convinced that his invention would make war too horrible to ever happen again. However, he quickly discovered there was no shortage of buyers for his new explosive. He made a huge fortune from the sales, yet was horrified with the suffering and misery it caused in wars and conflict. But what was he to do? Towards the end of the 19th century, he awoke one morning to read his own obituary in the paper. Alfred Noble, the inventor of dynamite, who died yesterday, devised a way for more people to be killed in a war than ever before. He died a very rich man. Now, actually, it was his older brother who had died. A newspaper reporter had confused the epitaph, the legacy, the lasting words. But this account had a profound effect upon Alfred. He decided he wanted to be known for something other than developing a means to kill people efficiently and for amassing a fortune in the process. As a result, he initiated the Nobel Prize, an award for scientists and writers who foster peace. As he said, every man ought to have the chance to correct his epitaph in midstream and write a new one. To correct your epitaph midstream and write a new one. It's not something that we think about, but what would, what might our epitaph, our lasting legacy be. Think about that and understand that there is time to change and to alter that through the power of God. We've got the opportunity to seek God, ask Him to cleanse and forgive, and then use us as He desires as opposed to how we might desire We take a look at Joshua, we take a look at this book, and then we take a look at these last several verses. The challenge from Joshua, the challenge from his epitaph, the challenge from his legacy encourages us to seek God's approval, celebrate God's faithfulness, and finish well. Can you say the same with Joshua? Joshua. 